Terry for breakfast. Humans of the Wheat Belt. Thanks for joining us here on Humans of the Wheat Belt, a fantastic initiative backed by the Wheat Belt Health Network. You may have seen the books around the place. One book was released in 2020 and the second book was released in 2022. So the Wheat Belt Health Network has been interviewing lots of people in our community. We're hearing so many great stories and we're bringing it to life here on Listener LISTNR. So big thanks to all the team out there at Humans of the Wheat Belt for making this happen and allowing us to interview all the guests that have appeared on the series over the last few years. This lady needs very little introduction. She's been telling stories for a long, long time. She was with the Alpen Valley Advocate for a little while, then stepped away and is now back in the community with a new role, which we'll talk about shortly. Eliza Wynn, or should I say Eliza Bitstrip, welcome to Humans of the Wheat Belt. Thank you, Terry. Thanks for having me. I say Eliza Wynn because when you were interviewed by Humans of the Wheat Belt, that was still your surname back then. It was. It was. It's changed somewhat recently, but yeah, no, I'm still the same thing. Great to have you on because in another role, we were talking to you weekly about what was in the, the old local newspaper, the Avon Valley Advocate. That's what brought you to Northern all those years ago? Yeah, it was. So um, I moved to Northern in uh, December of 2017 uh, for my graduate position as a journalist. Uh, yeah, I was at the Avon Valley Advocate for... Uh, I think it was around two years, um, so up from 2017 uh, through to when COVID hit. Um, I didn't know at the time uh, that it was going to be my last newspaper. Um, I remember that uh, we were heading into Easter and uh, the big bosses over East said, oh, we're going to give it a break over Easter and we just never came back. Uh, they're still on break, aren't they? We're still, we're still waiting for that announcement on what's going on there, but... I know. Two years I don't think on, it nothing. Was ever really addressed. I think it was just uh, silence. Uh, Radio silence. Completely. But um, look, I was extremely excited uh, when uh, Melanie Jones at the Chamber of Commerce uh, came on board and uh, reinvigorated it with the Northern Advertiser. The team there, Jim and Jody and Mel, oh, are doing such a fabulous job. And um, yeah, as, although um, you know, I'm sad that. I can't be at the reins anymore. Um, I found a new position that's, you know, uh, filling up my cup, but I'm really grateful for them. For we'll talk about that later on. We'll talk about what you're up to in 2022. So you're at university. I believe you're at Curtin there. So you graduated and then first stopped Northern. What was your initial plan? Were you hoping to be here just to get your foot in the door and then try and move on or were you looking to stay longer term? Yeah, initially it was definitely just like a, uh, six to 18 months sort of stint. While I was at uni, a lot of my um, focus was on TV. Um, so I did a lot of work experience with uh, GWN and Channel 9 and um, even doing sports journalism, so Peel Thunder and the Frio Dockers. Um, and, you know, uh, newspaper was never on my uh, radar until it was. Um, and then somehow I uh, got stuck in this uh, northern bubble that people speak about. Uh, it's now been... Nearly five years. I yeah. think it's five years in a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, no no signs of uh, moving on anytime soon. You were the last person to work for the Avon Advocate. It's actually quite a legacy. Like I feel very privileged to uh, kind of hold that title. But it is pretty bittersweet. You know, um, that job was something that I'm immensely proud of. Um, and yeah, it, um, no, I was very lucky to be able to, to do that for as long as I did. You and I, very similar situation, both in the media. We know what it's like working in the regions, very little resources out there, and you've, you've kind of got to make magic happen 
with, with not much to oh, play with. So I feel totally. I feel what you, you've been going through there. So and newspapers now, there's always going to be a need for newspapers. I know that the big corporates have have moved out, and it's you know that's disappointing. But as you mentioned before, Northern Chamber of Commerce has stepped in and filled the void. We're seeing this in a lot of places, aren't we? We are, and I think um, it's incredibly important that communities take ownership of their local paper. Um, I think uh, it's really easy for us to take uh, things like a local paper for granted um, and it's all of our responsibility to be able to back them, um, whether that's through local advertising and things like that, um, because it is such an asset to the community. Um, And look, we've seen similar things happen in Collie and Esperance uh, with the community taking on those newspapers and, um, you know, they come back with vengeance and and just are bigger and better than ever and that's down to the community uh, supporting them. Eliza, you were in the media for a little while there. You wanted to be a journalist since you were 10 years old. I remember being asked at our primary school graduation, in which we felt so grown up, uh, what we wanted to be when we grew up. And uh, my answer was a journalist. Uh, my grandfather uh, was a journalist. So this is on my dad's side of the family. Uh, he was a journalist back in England and they migrated to Australia 50 years ago, actually, this year, um, where he uh, worked at the West Australian and the Sunday Times. Um, and so he was always... I think subconsciously a big influence of mine. Uh, by the time I came along, he was well and truly retired. But um, I think uh, that's definitely uh, a big influence as to why I wanted to do what I did. It's amazing to know what you want to do at such a young age. And, and it was great to see that you, you were able to pursue that passion for a little while there. So mum was a teacher there? Yep, yep. So mum is still a teacher. Um, She is in Perth with my dad and my brother. So she teaches year one at Shelley Primary School in Riverton. And I'd always been told if I didn't go into journalism, I would have been a teacher. I definitely had a few career changes since there and teacher hasn't come up yet, but um, (laughs) still very young. Still got time. Still got time. Just going back a little bit, mental health is something that you're a keen advocate of. You did have a few dark moments growing up there as well. Yeah, look, I think it's um, a sort of a narrative that's always been fairly open within my family. Um, there's been, a, I guess, a prevalence of uh, depression and anxiety within the females within my family uh, dating back generations. Um, so it's always been something that's been spoken about in my family, uh, which I found really, I guess, quite helpful uh, when I experienced my own uh, sort of uh, times of depression and anxiety and an eating disorder. And I guess... Um, You know, being able to have an open dialogue was really a great support, Um, but also having a great GP uh, who had a good understanding of my family history as well has really kind of helped support me throughout that. And family support is important as well. You describe your mum as your best friend. Yes, I I described her that back when we wrote the book and I can still uh, very safely say that's still the case. We're very similar, both mad one-eyed Freo Dockers members. Um, So, you know, for... For that connection for us, it's all about uh, going down. Yeah, <laughs> definitely uh, going to the games every fortnight and just being able to catch up and, and watching yeah. our boys do their thing. They didn't do too badly in 2022. So for all the fans out there, they'd be hoping that the next few years after this, they'll be able to get the ultimate success. Now, you describe your mum as your best friend. Do you have any other siblings to contend with there? Look, I have a 23-year-old brother, a couple of years younger than myself. Uh, look, he uh, he's definitely a mama's boy, but uh, look, <laughs> I, I, w- I wouldn't let mum uh, pick her favourite, but uh, yeah. me and her definitely have that connection. That's very good to hear. Now, you've also done a bit of travel in your time. You went to the Philippines after Typhoon Yolanda hit in 2013. Yeah, so um, 
I've been quite heavily involved in church communities wherever I've kind of lived and, and a part of that um, for me was uh, travelling to uh, to Cloban um, and Manila in the Philippines, um, which I've done two or three times now, um, just being able to provide, I guess, some emergency relief on the ground, uh, something that I really, really enjoyed, uh, just being able to make those connections with people. It's kind of become a common thread in everything I've kind of done in life is that um, connection uh, with others. It's great to see that you're being able to give back. Now, of course, we've had disruptions with COVID. Do you have any plans to go back to the Philippines soon? Uh, yeah, it's definitely on my radar. Um, it's been some time now, but um, I guess that need is always there. Um, I'm, last time I went, I took my brother along with me, um, and that was a really great experience for him. So I hope uh, the next time I go, um, I could take my husband with me and let him kind of experience that for himself as well. You've also been to Europe as well. You were quite talented with music in school and and when you were 16 you were part of the school orchestra there? I'm a keen saxophonist. Nowadays I only really whip it out for um, the Christmas on Fitzgerald so (laughs) uh, the last few years uh, I've been up on stage doing that Um, but yeah I was really lucky to get the opportunity uh, through the high school I was at to uh, go and play the saxophone as part of an orchestra um, all around Europe. Yeah, it was an amazing opportunity. Look, I, I wish I whipped the saxophone out a bit more often, uh, but the opportunities don't seem to be presenting themselves at the moment. Eliza Wynn is with us, uh, Humans of the Wheat Bill, where we're talking to all the guests that featured on the series uh, since it began a few years back. Now, Eliza, this was a very serious incident when you were 18. You were involved in a major car accident through no fault of your own. Yeah, I was. Um, Look, it's something I guess I'm also really uh, passionate about is uh, driver safety and things like that. Yeah, when I was 18, I was driving home from my part-time job at Toys R Us uh, one evening. And um, yeah, I had a lady run a red light um, and crash into me, unbeknown to me at the time. Um, I sustained quite a few uh, broken bones and injuries. Um, And I guess upon reflection, and it's not been until quite recently, I've been able to reflect on that and uh, kind of see the impact that that's made on uh, me and, and my attitudes surrounding driving and safety. But, yeah, it's, it's quite a scary reality, and I, I feel incredibly grateful to have just come out, you know, just with a few broken bones. Yeah, we built roads. We, all, we often, quite often hear about all the, uh, the, the incidents that are happening on the roads, and we've had quite a few tragedies this year, and you know, we've we got, really got to wrap the message up that you know, you've got to drive carefully because any time you get behind the motor vehicle... It's a lethal weapon. Oh, completely. And I think, um, you know, a big part of my job when I was a journalist was reporting on those things. You know, it wasn't always the the lovely, airy-fairy community stories. It was also um, that tragedy. And um, look, as as confronting as that was to report on, um, it's something that um, I was quite passionate about, uh, being able to talk to those families and kind of express uh, that really important message. So we've spoken about your journalist career where you were with the Avon Valley Advocate. You were the last journalist there before they decided to shut up shop a couple of years ago there during COVID. Then you went to work for federal member for Pierce at the time, Christian Porter. Yes, I did. It was a bit of a career change. Um, I worked as uh, one of his media team. So I uh, got the great opportunity of being able to travel around uh, the biggest electorate, Pierce at the time, to engage with all the communities and uh, do photography, videography, write speeches, travel to Canberra a few times. Yeah, I I really, really loved uh, that opportunity. Uh, When Christian did announce his retirement from politics, um, I decided it was time for me to 
work a bit closer to home again. I was based out of the Allenbrook office uh, while still living in Northern and I, I really did miss um, the, the community up here. I didn't have as much of a chance to get involved like I used to. So you've worked at a couple of places that no longer exist. You're at the Avocad and obviously Pierce has changed a lot in the last few years. So <laughs> you're leaving your legacy around the place, aren't you? I know. Look, um, it's lovely to kind of have contributed to these workplaces and things like that, but I hope I'm uh, not uh, jinxing them. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Now, these days you're with Fresh Start. It's a fantastic organisation there based out of Northern. Tell us about your role there. Yeah, so I'm currently a support worker um, at the Fresh Start Recovery Program and I work with clients there um, kind of on the day-to-day sort of front. I help them achieve their goals, do some uh, goal setting, um, things like that. It's an organisation I'm incredibly, incredibly passionate about um, because my husband, uh, Luke, um, I actually met him while I was a journalist at The Advocate and he was uh, at, at Fresh Start. Um, and yeah, our friendship blossomed, turned into what it is today and yeah I just have been able to see firsthand that recovery is possible and how this organisation is really helping people. Yeah I had the great honour to speak to Luke recently here on Humans of the Weebelt and it's great to see that he's overcome some challenges and he's giving back to the community and you and Luke tied the knot earlier this year? Yeah, we did. We got married in February um, out at Buckland Estate, beautiful local uh, venue with 75 family and friends, uh, most of which um, live in Northern. So, yeah, it was really amazing and really nice to be able to go ahead with the festivities. We still weren't sure if COVID was going to play a contributing factor to that, but no, it was wonderful. And your favourite time of year in in the wheat belt in particular in Northern, you like spring when the canola is out. Yeah, and and look, I've got to say, um, now that Luke works for CBH and deals with grain and canola every day, I've got to say, uh, canola's not my favourite anymore. <laughs> he ends up bringing it all through the house and I'm continually needing to vacuum. I do love spring, uh, but maybe not for the canola anymore. A little bit of change since you were first interviewed there by Humans of the Wheat Belt. Now, your advice for people out there? Look, that's always a tough one. Um, I think for me, it's all about kindness. I think that compassion and understanding can go a really long way. Uh, working with people um, who are dealing with addiction and uh, trying to overcome that, I think being able to uh, have an open mind and just treat people like people is incredibly important. And I think that's something that the Northern community does incredibly well. And I hope that we can continue to do that moving forward. Eliza Bidstrup joining us here on Humans of the Wheat Belt. Appreciate you jumping on and having a bit of a chat with us and reminiscing about the good old days. All the very best going forward in your role there at Fresh Start. Thank you, Terry. It's been great to catch up. This is Humans of the Wheat Belt, put together by the Wheat Belt Health Network, where they encourage inclusion and diversity in our community. And of course, if you are seeking assistance or if you know someone seeking assistance, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Terry for breakfast. Humans of the Wheat Belt.